coach can motivate us to higher heights and today what we're going to talk about is there's a cultural trait that will grow your ministry spiritually we're going to dive into it and get as specific as we can so that as a result of listening to this podcast today you'll be able to discern what you can do the number one thing you can do to create a culture where your ministry can grow spiritually deep I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Hey, great to be with you on this exciting episode of the Thought Factory. We can't wait to dive into what we're going to talk about today because today we're going to talk about what's the number one thing you can do to grow spiritual depth in your ministry. And the last couple episodes, we've been diving into these specific ways that we can make our ministry better. And as we get to the end of this year, as we record this 2020, I think this is a great time to evaluate, to reevaluate. We're in this great pause moment right now. And if you're going through a, a particularly rough season, even, I'm talking with a lot of pastors, and there's just a lot of people that are feeling pretty beat up right now. I mean, life is really different. And so, my encouragement to you is this episode can lift you up here and lift your spirits because this is a time to reevaluate as we look forward to kind of a fresh start for the year 2020, and so we're going to be um, diving into that. But, man, the last episode, Jason, we talked about a really specific thing. How do we make our ministries grow numerically? I've always heard, you know, oh, don't focus on the numbers. Numbers are bad. Like, And uh, and, and then I've heard the opposite of what's like, you should just try to grow and grow and grow at, at any expense. And I feel like we took a really good, healthy look at ways that you can do it, but growth is important. All of these episodes are standalone where if you were to listen to them by themselves, you would get something out of it. But it's also a part of a series that we're doing in creating a winning culture. And what are some of those ways that you can implement into your ministry to be able to have a winning culture? So we want to encourage you and recommend listening to not only the past episodes, but stay with us for the upcoming episodes in the next couple of weeks where you get a fuller picture of all of these concepts. But we are encouraging you to not only listen, but also maybe implement them into your ministry as well, because your leaders, the adult leaders, the volunteer leaders, whoever may be surrounding you to help lead the students could also benefit from some of these concepts. Next episode is exciting, Jason, because we're going to talk about how you can stay healthy long-term in ministry. Over the 30 years, I can't tell you the the many 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 people that have dropped out because they just they didn't stay spiritually 
and even physically healthy. And, you know, it's sad, but just even this last week in the news cycle, a really famous um, pastor in the United States fell because of, you know, a moral mistake in, in his life. And so we're going to talk about ways you can do that, avoid the mistakes, but but more importantly, stay healthy long term. And you may feel healthy now, but you don't know what could come down the road and and if you don't remain healthy, it's not like you can just inject health into your your ministry just every few months or once a year. Or what I mean by that is you can't just go away for a weekend and get healthy and then hope that will sustain you all year. So how can you implement some of these concepts into your ministry so that it is a healthy ministry? One more quick thing, a free resource. If you're interested, if you want to know what your students are thinking and what how they're living, really know and hear from them, go to neverthesame.org slash trendreport. You can download your 20-page, beautifully spaced and designed copy of our Adolescence in the Church Trend Report. So that's neverthesame.org slash trend report. It's free for anybody who goes to that, that link. And we want to offer it to our audience as exclusive material for you as you are a listener to us. We want to say thank you for listening. Share our podcast with whoever you may be coming in contact with. That will just help us as we continue to grow, as we continue to share, as we continue to just provide our thoughts and resources to you to help your ministry and help you lead students well. I want you to think about great coaches or teachers in your life. And here's what I would almost bet is that for those people you're thinking about, they were people that had high expectations for you. They pushed you. They found where you needed to grow and where you excelled. And they knew maybe what buttons to push within you to make you strive to be better. I remember growing up playing on lots of different sports teams and lots of different um, types of sports. And the ones, the coaches that stand out to me were the ones that pushed me and drove me to be a better player. I remember being in college and then jumping into the world of the arts, which I'd never really been involved in, and being in university chorale. And that was a, a new world, a new environment for me. But our chorale director was one of the most influential people in my life because he pushed me and all of us, to, and he got the best out of all of us and what we're doing to be one unit and to work hard and to be strong together. Well, I got into University Corral kind of as a, a joke. Have you ever heard that yeah, story? Yeah, I've heard this story, but I don't think anyone else has heard this story. I never. So I'll play naive. Please do. Well, I, what? What do you mean? What? You, it was a joke? I uh, never been involved. My mom gave me piano lessons. She was a musician. and But I didn't realize like the artist inside of me when I was a kid. And, and I just did piano lessons just to get through it and got out of it as quick as I could. did it for a couple years and then never was involved in music and um, always thought musicians were a little off, you know, a little strange. And then when I got into college, I really liked this girl. And she said, you need to be in chorale. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, uh, well, I'm going to set up an appointment for you. And this was in the middle of the year. 
And this the tryouts to get into this corral were like two or three to one. Like two or three people tried out for every one that got in. In corral, you are talking about a singing group. Yes, a singing group. Like, like collective yeah, people like sing. Like 60 voices yeah. or so. Didn't sing, couldn't really read music, like didn't know what I was doing. I never sang in front of anybody or... As far as I knew, I don't think I'd ever... Re- this sounds really weird. I don't think I'd ever sang out loud anywhere, ever. Even alone. I just didn't really know I could sing. So what made her at- tell you to join Corral? Well, I always I always, um, I always, did this deep voice thing. And I don't, my voice isn't as deep as it used to be, but I would talk in this really like deep voice, kind of like Barry White kind of thing, oh, if you yeah. even know who that is. Oh, yeah. I don't know who that is. Yeah, and she's sure. like, oh, Come man, on, you got, you're a bass. And and uh, so she signed me up to to join Corral. And I will tell you, like, I showed up just kind of to as a bluff, you know, like, well, I'm going to show up. And then I went into the rehearsal room as just the choir director, and he said, I'm going to play a note. And I honestly, Jason, like, he said, I'm going to play a note. And I just want to see if you have pitch, if you can sing the note. And I didn't know if I could. I really didn't. He played this note, and I'm like, I'm just whatever comes out. And then I did... And then he played through, I think, Amazing Grace and just wanted me to sing it, and I sang, and and all of a sudden I was in chorale. I couldn't believe it, but that really changed the course of my life. I became a worship leader later, traveled around the country, did that. and you know. But being in chorale, more than anything musically, it changed me as a person because Todd Guy was my chorale director, and he has shaped my life. I put him in the top five of people that have shaped my life the most because he pushed us and he pushed me uh, really hard and he got the best out of me vocally and, and musically. When I think of coaches for even soccer, the one that sticks out is, and we'll talk about this in this episode, but had high expectations. And so the expectation that he had for any team member on the soccer team for high school, I'm specifically talking about varsity high school soccer. It was, it was like you wanted to play for him because he expected greatness. Even though he was a new coach when I was going into my junior year, but you could already sense of the expectations that he had as a soccer player, as a coach, even though you didn't know who he was. And, and that caused at least for me to go, I want to meet his expectations, especially during tryouts and all that stuff. It's like, man, I, I want to be, I want to play for him. Did that make you mad sometimes? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Because he would call you out. And when you are the one person that did something wrong and he calls you out, you have 17 other guys on the team that are looking at you going, dude, what's wrong with you? For sure. I remember an, a couple of instances where I was supposed to follow a guy and he pulls me out of the game and I'm supposed to be marking up on it. And he's like, why are you still staying on that side of the field? I was like, because uh, you said I need to stay on the side of the field. He's like, no, I said, mark up on that guy, go wherever he goes. And he, I was like, but he went to the other side of the field. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play. I don't play right mid. I play left mid. And he's like, stay on that guy. Cause I am expecting you to stay on that guy. And yet you're like, sorry, coach, I'll do that. You know, there was a number of times. It's funny how, yeah, great leaders like that, they will expect things. And sometimes that really makes you mad Adam. But in the end, you really respect them for it. Right. 
And I want to talk to you today about the number one cultural trait to grow your ministry spiritually. Now, if we remember, culture is greater than leadership. The culture that you create will impact lives more than the things that you say or do. And the culture around us, that's comprised of this environment that we've created that composes the beliefs and the behaviors of our community. And so in your ministry, it's, it's a result of those beliefs and behaviors that create this culture and this environment that you're in. And really the number one cultural trait to grow your ministry spiritually is answered in this question, what are your expectations? So just reiterating about expectations, asking that question, what are your expectations? It's, it goes back to the other episodes of intentionally thinking what are the convictions what's the cultural goals that you have for your ministry what are your expectations is it to reach uh, x number of students for christ is it to make sure that everybody feels like they are welcomed is it what are those expectations and if you the, if you're a youth worker youth pastor and you oversee a group here's what i would invite you to consider doing ask the people that you lead what do i expect of you or people that come to our group and and just see what they say give them a chance to even like write it down not just verbally say it so that you can have it on record and really think about it because you are projecting an expectation whether you realize it or not and here's what i say all the time about churches and pastors youth youth pastors and and pastors in general is people that sit out in your congregations, your groups, you're projecting expectations to them. You may have never even said it directly, but in some direct, most of the time even indirect ways, you're promoting an expectation. Here's what I mean by that. If, if I were to go to your constituents, your youth group kids or your people in your churches or whatever and say, what does this church, what does the pastor expect of you? Here's, here's what most would say. They want me to show up every week would probably be number one. They want me to they want me to be here and be a part of what's going on. And if they're an adult, I would almost guarantee the second thing that most average attend, church attenders would say is they expect me or want me to give financially to the ministry. Okay? And typically that's where it would end. But what if what if they were to say, Well, they expect me to be a part of this community, they expect me to be sharing my faith they expect me to be having um you know a time in the word and in prayer every day they expect me to be involved in the community they expect me to whatever it is and so great and clear expectations will determine the spiritual depth of your students great and clear expectations will determine that so it's not just clear expectations but it's great expectations as well you've got to expect something of your people and that means you got to push them and i remember one of the expectations i had for adults that volunteered in the youth ministry that i was leading was not only just being present but leaving the baggage at the door because we can so often just let that come in and affect how we lead the emotions that we lead with and you start to overpower the small group time with unloading that baggage to your students that you're leading. And it's, 
I've just found that when we can leave that at the door and you are completely focused on the students and their needs, you are then more willing to meet those needs and you're more engaged with what those needs are instead of waiting for you to share with this bad day that you just had and you want you want some platform to to share that with and now you have 8 to 12 students in front of you and you're like it's like you can just leave that behind for 90 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever and lead with clear head and a, a clear heart. In all the years that that I was leading with volunteers, what I would say to them is I have three expectations for you. And these were kind of mirrored in our student leaders as well. But so talking about expectations, a lot of times we go, what what are what do people expect of us? And I, I laid out three things. Number one, and these were in order, that you spend time in the word every day. And I gave them a plan to do that. It's what our students did, it's what we all did as well. It's what's now soul exercise as part of our ministry. Number two, that they spend 30 minutes outside of their time serving with us at youth group, connecting with their students. 30 minutes a week. You could text them, call them, stop by their house, whatever it is. So 30 minutes. And the third thing was show up 15 minutes early to our youth group and stay 15 minutes late. Be there for the hangouts. And those three things, be in the Word. I gave them a plan to do that. Spend 30 minutes outside, and I gave them creative ideas all the time to to do that 30 minutes outside of youth group time connecting with their students and their small groups and be there 15 minutes early and stay 15 minutes late. And for our student leaders, you know, it was be in the word every day. Make sure you're there for youth group. Same thing, 15 minutes early, 15 minutes late. And then the third one had to do with wherever they were serving. It was unique, but um, having expectations is really important. And if you want to have spiritual depth, it's not going to happen by accident. You have to be intentional. And what I hear with your expectations is about the relationship. Their relationship with God mattered, and the relationship that they are with and in with the students mattered as well. So by by uh, engaging outside of the ministry shows that that relationship matters. By showing up early and, and staying late means that the time that the students are there matters, and you're not rushing out before the students and cutting things off early or running in late and not really knowing what's going on, but it's a, that relationship mattered. But then going to the first one, being in the word is saying the relationship with God matters as well mm-hmm. to lead these students. What are your expectations for your students? Great and clear expectations will determine the spiritual depth of your students. Are your expectations great? And are your expectations clear? I remember hearing years ago about the study that just rocked my world. This was a study done with rats and mazes and which could be the most efficient rats going through the mazes. And here was the experiment. What they did was they told one group of people, they told half the people, you have exceptionally smart lab rats and they're going to perform better in this a maze experiment and these people were to take the, the these rats home and they had this controlled experiment and they were to set them through the maze the other half were told you have exceptionally slower mental rats and so they probably won't perform as well and be as efficient in getting through the maze fascinatingly enough what they found is even though these rats were all the same the ones that had that were told that their rats would do better 
and we're more gifted, actually we're more efficient and we're faster in this study. Isn't that incredible to think about? And it goes back to what I would call the law of expectation. And I wanna ask you, what are you expecting from your students? Because in the world in which we live that's so crazy and so busy and so bombarded with so many messages, I think sometimes our tendency is we're just grateful to have any connection with students. And I want to challenge you to, to, to step up in that area because here's the reality. If you expect more, you will get more. If you expect less, you'll get less. That's actually an actual law by Erickson's law of expectations where he states 85% of what you expect to happen will like exactly what you're saying. If you expect more, more will happen. If you expect less, less will happen where if you have that expectation, whatever it is, it's going to happen. It really, it sometimes it really bums me out when I think about a lot of leaders I've met and known over the years that don't really expect much from their people that they lead. So they'll stand in front of their constituency, their congregation, their youth groups, and they just don't have much expectation for their people. And so therefore, they don't get it. It becomes this vicious cycle where they go, well, you know, they don't really do much. And so then you don't expect much. And then because you don't expect much, they don't do much. And you get into this catch-22, kind of downward spiral. But if you reverse it, which you always can, you can go in and say, I'm going to expect much. Now, I've always said over the years that with great and clear expectations, I've never had an experience, not one, where a student didn't exceed my expectations. And I've had people look at me like, what, are you crazy? Like, that's not even possible. But it always breaks down on the end of the leader. Were the expectations great ones? Were they worthy, in other words? And were they clear? Because if they're not both, they're not going to be worth people's time. If they're not worthy of their efforts, they're not going to rise to the occasion. And if they're not clear, they're not going to know what the expectation is. Do you think that people don't have great expectations of their constituents or their people that lead because they are afraid of hurting people's feelings? I think there's a lot of reasons. I think it's that. And I think, yeah, they, they, they want a lot of leaders want to be loved. And so they don't want to be perceived as like, like we're talking about earlier with coaches and right. leaders that make us mad. We right. go, well, I don't want that. You know, I don't want people mad at me and I want to be their friend. I want to be their pastor. And there is that, there's that definite line, but there's something you can pull out of people, that, especially, that's what I love about soul exercises is that it's not a one size fits all approach to spiritual growth, right? It's sitting down with each individual student saying, how much do you want to be involved in this in your spiritual disciplines and Bible reading and that? And then you just hold them to what they're striving for. Well, when you have those expectations and it's built on convictions as well, you are, like we said, you are most likely when you get called out, you're going to get mad by being held to a higher expectation. But I feel like people will follow those who have conviction and expect more with a uh, more, maybe just a greater tenacity or just there is more loyalty to it because they they see that as a leader worth following, even though sometimes those expectations can piss you off. But I think sometimes the leader is like, I don't want to piss everybody off by 
addressing this expectation or I don't want to, I don't want to make them mad because of this issue. So I'm not going to hold them to that expectation. I'm not going to mention anything. And instead it's like, but if you are, are creating expectations based off of convictions, if it's a conviction, you can't help but say something about it and hold people to that expectation. So what I want you to think about is like, where's your default switch here towards students? Is your default switch like set to on where you expect them to succeed? Or is it by default set to off where you expect them to fail? What I've found in working with hundreds and thousands of youth workers and many, many youth pastors over the years and youth ministries all over the country and the world, I found that some, their default switch is set to on where they're always expecting great things of their students. And then I found another group where their default switch was more set to off where they expected them to fail. And they didn't even necessarily have to say it out loud. You just knew it from being around them. And I guarantee you this, your students, maybe even subconsciously know where your default switch is. So I wanna challenge you right now to consider, can you switch that to an on position? Can you think about putting your expectation switch up to on right now? Because if you switch it on, will there be students that will disappoint you? I'm sure there will. But over the years, I've found this universal truth in working with students of all different kinds and all different spiritual backgrounds. I found this, the more I expected, the more they achieved. And if you want to build depth within your students, you need to raise your level of expectation, but you, they must be great and they must be clear, your expectations. Because if your expectation switches up, you'll be right about your students. And the opposite is true. If your expectation switch for your students is down, you'll also be right. The thing is, you get to choose. So great and clear expectations determine the spiritual depth of your students. Let's talk about disappointment. Are we setting leaders up for greater disappointment when you have higher expectations? Because the, the difference between expectation and reality is the space of disappointment. And are we causing ourselves to go, I am going to be more disappointed if I have such a high expectation it doesn't get met? There's definitely the risk there of disappointment. There's no doubt about it. But I think that risk is small and smaller compared to the opportunity. The opportunity is, you know, can I get my ministry to have more of a spiritually deep culture? In our world today, Bible engagement and Bible knowledge and just general lifestyle is less and less reflective of what I would call like traditional biblical values within culture, but also within the culture of our youth ministries, right? Where when I was a kid, you know, raised in youth group, and this was general for those times is like, is pretty generally frowned upon to do certain things. Like if you're a kid, you didn't watch rated R movies. You didn't even think about that. Like that was a no, no. And, uh, you know, you didn't listen to music with explicit lyrics in it where now it's just you know way more open it's like they don't even think about it anymore you swore three times in this podcast you didn't even realize i know I, yeah it's, it's so natural just go right? back and listen you'll find it <laughs> yeah. so 
you know, the disappointment is, am I going to be disappointed um, or am I going to take the risk to see greatness? And I'll give a specific example. When, if you want to change, if you want your students to be more spiritually deep, there's one number one way to do that, and that is to get your students to read the Bible regularly. Now, if you create that expectation and you go in and you go, well, I'm going to be disappointed if I don't get 100% participation. You're going to be disappointed. But if you say, well, I want to start off by getting 25%. So it's all about in where you put your personal expectations for a response. And, and that's a tricky thing because you can go low and make it make the bar so easy to get over. Like, well, you know, the Bible reading example, well, I want 10%. Well, you might be able to do that in your sleep, but can you get 25%? Can you get 30? Can you get 40, 50? Or that number might be based on what you already see exists. So it's, it's yeah. doable because you already see 10% reading and engaging in the Bible. You're like, oh, he does, she does. Okay, that... Yep, that's yeah. about 10%. I'm going to shoot for 10%. Yeah, so the ministries that we coach in Bible reading, for example, through soul exercises, we say don't set your expectations in the wrong place. If you if you go in and within a year you want 75% of your students reading the Bible and you've never done that before, that's probably unrealistic. You know, 40 to 50% is probably more in the realistic side, and that's with, again, with intentionality and focus and not just you don't just slide up into those statistics you have to build up into them and so yeah there is disappointment but again it's where do you set your own personal expectations and even the expectations of of others for what you're leading i guess i the coach since we're talking about coaches the coach that comes to mind that had high expectations and i I say this not to degrade him or demean this coach, but the coach of the University of Michigan football, Jim Harbaugh. As a Michigan State fan, I also watch him as a coach, and he had high expectations coming in to take Michigan from one level and make it a championship level again. And he's been there six years, and he has not been able to do that. And he's only been able to beat two of his top rivals three times being Michigan state three times. And yet I have seen over the course of the years, he's also leading based on that disappointment that he knows the fans, the, the other coaches all are had this expectation and he's having to lead through this disappointment because the expectation is greater than the reality. And even going into this year where the first game, it looked like a completely different team, and then they played Michigan State, and they they got beat by a very bad Michigan State team, and it it shifted that mindset in him, and now he's again leading in a a realm of disappointment, and and that expectation, not meeting expectations, not I'm sure he has just as high as expectations as anybody else, wanting to be a, a championship team a, a coach that is leading a championship team but i i think like when you have such high expectations how do you get out of that that leading of disappointment when you are not meeting those expectations yeah and it's having realistic expectations yeah so in harbaugh's example 
you know, boy, unfortunately, I would say as a neutral observer here, <laughs> right, not really having a favorite. I don't have a you know a pony in that race. That I think it's ultimately after six years, you're like it comes back down to leadership and the coach. And for whatever reason, it's just not working at University of Michigan, in my opinion. Now, I'm not an expert in that area, but it's more of a little bit of a casual observation. But I think it's a realistic expectation. If you're not hitting some of your realistic expectations, then you have to go, okay, where's the system breaking down? You know, where is it breaking down? Because, um, you know, what is he? He's 0-6 against Ohio State, I think. Is that right? 0-5. Okay, 0-5. Right and, you know, I would say, realistically, you'd want to be at least 2-3 and three or 3-2, three and two, you know, against your number one rival, Ohio State. But, and that would be realistic to be to go in and say, hey, we're going to turn around and go 5-0. and 0. It's not realistic, but they're clearly not hitting the mark. But in terms of, like, local church leadership, you got to set your expectations in the right place. That's the key. And that's why it comes to mind because you may have an expectation of 80% of my students are going to be fully engaged in the Bible or whatever that expectation is. 100% may not be realistic. So you go, ah, 80%. And then when you don't meet it and then over time, it's, it's a continual trend that you're not meeting this expectation. It, it is like you hit upon it. Is it the leadership? Is it the expectation too high? Is it what are some of those factors that cause it to n- not meet those expectations? Mm-hmm. So let me say this as, as you think about the number one cultural trait to grow your ministry spiritually. So that's great and clear expectations. Having great, in other words, worthy and then clear, spelled out. And let me let me say, make a list. What are people believing that you expect of them? Find out from the people that you lead, number one. And then evaluate if that's really what you want to shoot for. And then evaluate if your expectations are great and if they're clear. So if you want spiritual depth, You've got to have great and clear expectations because we live in a world that's at war against the very souls of all of us, but of these young minds, of these young lives. I mean, everything is waging against them, and we are in there fighting this battle for them, with them, on their behalf, for the the stake of their very souls. And so having great and clear expectation for them and your ministry will determine the spiritual depth of that students and of your ministry. Take an evaluation, look at it, and decide what are those expectations, are they worthy, and are they clear? The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.